Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Stephen Taylor. How are you two doing? Doing all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be back. I I, I had such a great streak of not missing any shows. (laughs) Yeah. Missing. I I was so, like, it's like an existential crisis. It's like, no. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm happy to be back. That's great to have you back. Uh, Yeah. I mean... We were having a very interesting conversation, nonetheless, about From Beyond and Castle Freak, but uh, it's great to have you back. And it was funny because the week, the recordings before that was Evil Speak and Ice Cream Man, and Taylor was out mm-hmm. for that, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, 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 oh, Evil, but well, I think it was Evil Speak especially, I was so bummed that I missed the conversation. Yeah. Especially that third act, right? Yes. Oh, like, that movie was, that movie was Howard so much fun. floating through the air and just, like, slapping people in the face with sword, a sword and stuff. Yeah, it's fucking insane, right? Arguably, <laughs> Clint Howard's best movie, Evil Speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. If, I don't know if the Amusement Park is anybody's best movie. Um, but it's, no, it's I, a movie. Yeah, I. You know, I, I, I might be on the more positive side of it when we when we get down to it. Mm. Um, mm. There's, there's. I just think there's interesting aspects of this film. Oh, 100%. I, de- I yeah. definitely think it was very successful at getting across. I mean, the the message in the movie is not subtle. It's pretty no. overt. It literally opens with, this is exactly what we want you to think about. Yeah, um, exactly. But I think it ex- executes it very successfully. And, and I really like the whole loop of the movie, essentially. Yeah. I just like that it felt very dreamlike, and I think that's something that can like easily just ratchet up the tension and terror in a movie when you get this feeling that like what you're watching isn't quite real, but it's just like some off-brand of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is the amusement park even about? Well, a seemingly ordinary day at an amusement park turns into a living nightmare for an elderly man. Uh, yeah, this movie is like yeah. I think you were talking about the very overt. Uh, themes in this movie and yeah it's pretty much like elder abuse front and center you know just you know how but also like classism as yeah. well mm-hmm. like there's there's like so much what I think is so crazy about this movie is that it was an unfinished movie from 1973 and we always talk about with Night of the Living Dead with Dawn of the Dead and, and, and Day of the Dead and all this stuff how um, Romero was able to uh, subtly and not so subtly, obviously, uh, nail down sociological issues that affect us every day, mm-hmm. and amusement park is rife with that. Like it, it, it is a condensed f- focus on, on on the these issues in almost like a t- Twilight Zone book ended sort of way. And what's crazy about it is this movie is 
50 years old, but is still so painfully irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and like this movie... the, the rules for the ride uh, alone, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, yeah, this movie was, uh, like, basically lost to time for such a long time until, like, I think they even mentioned at the beginning that, like, a group basically worked to, like, restore the movie and get it released. Yeah. So. Through a grant, uh, through help, through the uh, the George Romero Society and stuff as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, first time watching this. Uh, when was the first time we all watched this? Uh, when Shutter released it. Yeah, same. For because me. it's just a, I mean, being a lifelong George Romero guy, when it was like, oh, there's so- you know, there's something you haven't seen of his. It's like, oh, okay, well. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was another podcast. So I I don't even remember if I saw it come out on Shudder. Um, but yeah, I watched it uh, basically just this week for the podcast. Yeah, I think Shudder doesn't always do the greatest job of promoting things on their service. Like, I knew that they were, like, talking about their social media and stuff, but I don't think they did the greatest of job of letting, like, general population know about this movie so yeah like it, it kind of kind of just felt like it was when they put it out it was like there for the hardcore diehard fans of shutter mm-hmm. who are already checking it not really the general populace who might be interested in like a lost to time movie like this or even necessarily knowing that it's a george romero movie which i think most general populace would probably have some level of interest in so it feels very Romero, though, eh? Yeah, it does. I think my biggest complaint about this is that it doesn't feel like a feature film, which I feel like no. is kind of a weird complaint. But, like, it does sometimes feel like it's a just very long PSA and not really like a movie. Um, mm. And that was my it, main complaint about it. But It feels like an Outer Limits or, or Twilight Zone episode to me. Well, it's funny you say that because... Our first email is from Tyler, who says, kind of reminded me of a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant minds. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It does kind of feel like that. I, I feel like structurally the, the movie's kind of a little bit off. Like, it doesn't seem to be paced in a regular movie pace, but it doesn't really seem to be paced like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that. Like, it, it felt very just kind of... I don't know, chaotic in that sense. And I still liked mm-hmm. it, but it just sort of felt like I was watching something that was just sort of going at its own weird pace. And I'm just along for the ride. So, yeah, still good, though. Yeah, it it was very much like it, the chaos of it is, is a good way to put it because it was kind of like chaotic almost in the way a dream or a nightmare might be where stuff yeah. just is happening and you just are kind of there for it. Yeah. Um, which, which I think, yeah, that, that lent to the atmosphere uh, of what was going on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next email is from Liv, who says, I originally saw us at a local theater. Nothing subtle about it. The metaphors is spread as wide as the stars in the sky, but I, it's surprisingly moving and progressive for its time. Yeah. I mean, this was filmed in the 70s, I believe. So, yeah. I'm sure elder abuse wasn't quite as uh i guess uh nuanced as it is now like people are obviously a little more in tune with like 
being kind to seniors and all that stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. other stuff, too, like classism, racism, stuff like that. Like, just general social issues I think we're more in tune to. But I felt like the movie did a pretty good job of at least portraying those in a relatively healthy manner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we actually kind of talked, we talked about this a few times already, but Robert says this movie feels very dreamlike at times. Yeah. It yeah, does. it's super surreal. I, I mean, because the whole... The whole amusement park itself is a complete metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I love, I really, especially as a class system, I really love Romero's obsession with bikers. <laughs> that was a little random to me, and I I can't tell if that's just because uh, I I didn't grow up in the eighties. Was there a big biker gang thing, kind of like Satanic Kinda. Panic? <laughs> Kinda, uh, I Easy Rider and, and all that kind of stuff inspired a lot. Yeah. Um, and it goes all the way through up until the nineties. Yeah. Uh, the 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 biker gang obsession. Um, I mean, fuck the opening scene of Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Yeah. You know, they're still got biker obsession. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, best line in this movie. That's, got That's a tough, tough, tough one. I, yeah. I didn't really pull any lines from this movie that I thought was interesting. The, the only the one... opening, mo- opening monologue. Ah, see, I, I picked one from the very end monologue where he ends with, I'll see you in the park someday. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's pretty uh, poignant. That's, yeah, that hits. It, it's just it's just hard to pull anything from the surreal nature that is this movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's Yeah, it's it's just, this is such a strange one. Well, and like the dialogue obviously is not the point of either too. So I I can't see them being too upset if there wasn't some intense I mean, speech or something at some point, yeah. right? Other than the first one. I I do like the beginning interactions of the old men between his former and his past self. Mm-hmm. Uh, or his current and his past self then you don't want to talk no like all that kind of stuff like that, that was an interesting back and forth especially how it changes how you feel about it in the beginning and in the end mm-hmm. seeing the ordeal and then not have seen the ordeal at the beginning I'm like what the fuck happened to this guy and then just feeling sad that he's just stuck in this loop over and over and over again yep but like, what happens to to old version of him? He just gets left in the room. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, left in the white right? room. Because we don't we don't know. And uh, yeah, I I the uh, the brilliant juxtaposition of having such a dark sto- story book ended by this brilliant white room with this white suited man. Hmm. It's like, is it supposed to represent his purity and then he is corrupted and bruised and beaten and bloodied and bandaged? Like the triage scene midway through the the movie where it's like, there's like surgeries going on and shit like that. You're like, the fuck is this? Oh yeah, and like senior citizens doing weird exercising and like, but in bed and yeah, it was, that was very strange. I, I like that scene and the bumper car scene really stood out to me because the bumper car scene gets into the whole it gets into a classism 
argument but as well as also like ah oh, female drivers and all this kind of stuff like there's so much like weird shit at play in this movie mm-hmm. yeah well yeah and then the the frustration of oh it says on your license that you need eyeglasses but you weren't wearing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and even yeah. though he saw exactly what happened in the accident it was so frustrating <laughs> Also, this is, sorry, this is completely unrelated, but earlier I came into the notes for the show and I saw under Best Kill it said, Cop getting his eye eaten, um, which oh. turns out to be a note from the previous episode that we recorded, but I yes. thought I had really missed something in Music <laughs> Park. I know. The cop <laughs> got his eye eaten for some reason. <laughs> I mean, that would have ratcheted it up the movie a little bit, but yeah, no, that was from the previous recording. I saw it there, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not from this movie. <laughs> It was, it was not. I had to go back and check. <laughs> Just in case, yeah. Uh, best performance. I mean, it's got to be Lincoln Maisel, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. See, that's such a great job. And I'm not saying that to, like, put down the other performances. They're all pretty good, too. But his is, like, the best. So. By a long shot. Okay. Um, best kill in this. Is there... I think it was implied that uh, after the roller coaster scenes, that woman who's sitting on the box is is dead. Like yeah, that's I what so, I thought. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Nothing is clear enough, though. No. Yeah. Like, and and obviously, obviously, they make a choice on that one. I'm like, I don't know if he would technically die in this. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there's nothing that happens on screen that's like, oh, someone died. You know, so. Yeah. Feel like put it thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh dumbest decision in this movie. Just I don't know. Just not leaving the park. Like just you know, Yeah. Some fun time. Just Being kinda... alive. Yeah. <laughs> Having to to go through that. I kind of like naively oh well I'm going outside yeah yeah Yeah. I'm not gonna listen to you yeah I guess it's yeah I don't know I guess like it's kind of hard because it's like I guess in my mind I'm like dude why are you still in this amusement park it's clearly not a good time but like I don't know it was very clearly like a dream or something was going on but I don't know it was like if I was if I was like a party I wasn't having fun I would just be like uh Cool. Well, I'm just gonna go. Uh, see y'all later. Bye. Uh, so. Oh, I just thought of another great one. What? Dumbest decision: not getting up and punching that smug, wealthy asshole at that table who is eating around everyone mm-hmm. else. That's mm-hmm. my dumbest decision. There you go. Uh, I think it's time to rate this. Uh, what are we all thinking for a score for this movie? I'm gonna go with seven and a half. Um, That's a totally fair. I think it's a it's an it's it's an interesting um, entry into um, uh, Romero's sociological focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy that we got this years after his death. Yeah. Um, I. I would love to know what he actually thought about the work that he did on this and what he was actually going for. But I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear 
that's the thing about this movie is as, yeah. as metaphorical as it is it feels very focused and very clear mm -hmm. um and that's what i always appreciated about romero is that his intent was always uh the fore focus mm -hmm. and um not thinly veiled and i i know that's what his critics like to focus on and like to take sh shots at him for but um yeah i i i dig it I, I thought it was interesting and not recommendable to a in a broader sense but um yeah if you're if, if you're if you're a romero fan i i feel i feel like this it, it should be watched mm -hmm. 100%. and i think people kind of don't appreciate that like romero was somebody who was very good at uh, just sort of giving people this uh, social commentary in his, his movies. And he was doing mm -hmm. it well before a lot of other filmmakers were. I mean, not to be too mean to some of these other directors and stuff, but, like, yeah, some of them are not quite as uh, doing it as well as he was. So I don't know. I always kind of have respect for him for, like, putting in the work that he put in to, like, mm -hmm. make his movies as socially conscious as possible. So, I mean... Is this probably the best example of that? I, I don't think so. I think it's a little rough around the edges and just paced a little oddly. Um, that being said, I don't know. I still really enjoyed the performances and like the kind of like weird, odd kind of feel to it, even if it was kind of at the same time contributing to that pacing issues I was having. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I still, I, I'd give it like an 8 out of 10. It is still good. It's just... This is, like, if you're kind of classifying Romero movies by, like, the essentials and then, like, the deeper cuts and then, like, the, the real obscure ones that once you get through all of those, you're, you're going to touch. Yeah, this is, like, the farthest possible side of that spectrum where, like, yeah, this is not essential Romero. This isn't even, I would even classify a deep cut. This is, like, you've watched all of your Romero movies and you're ready for, to, like, get into something really obscure. This is probably it, but... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think for most other people, like if you, this was your first ever Romero movie, you'd be like, what the, what the fuck is this? Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like I'm leaning more towards an eight, too. Like the, the mm -hmm. pacing was a little slow in some parts, but I mean, it wasn't an hour and a half long. It was it was nope. just under an hour. So I think that was a wise decision, because if it had been an hour and a half, I definitely would have been like, OK, I think we maybe get the point at this point. Yeah. Um. But I, I thought, I mean, other than I, I obviously didn't quite get the biker scene. That came a little out of nowhere for me. Um, just suddenly being surrounded by a bunch of dudes on bikes and then getting the shit kicked out of you. Um, but uh, otherwise, I thought it was really well executed. Like, I was a little worried it would be a little too uh, preachy, I guess, or something like that. But uh, in general, I thought the amusement park... Uh, as the setting was really well done and I thought they tied everything together really well and I don't know I, I actually really enjoyed it um, so yeah I think I'm going to go with an 8 nice alright well uh, yeah this is uh, the end of the episode Steve where can people find you on the internet yeah I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Steve Dead uh, you can also uh, find my website stevestebbing.ca and uh, some of more of my reviews are on um, Letterboxd as well and you can listen to me every Thursday across Canada at 11pm Pacific on The Shift with Shane Hewitt Nice 
Uh, I'm over at three Grunards. Oh, no. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is what happens when it's like a lazy Sunday. Reminds you to start still wandering. <laughs> Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I, it's okay because I don't actually hang out on the internet that often these days, but I'm on Instagram and Twitch as Techronomicon. I have a blog, home blog, where I will eventually have it updated and be posting other stuff that I'm doing online. And I upload scores for the movies we watch on this podcast on Letterboxd under the username Circeanic as well. Nice. Now it's time to say I'm over at 3 <laughs> where yeah, almost every other day we've got content going up. Uh, I don't know what I'll be reviewing next time you hear me talk. I don't know. We'll see. But I can't tell you what the next few trouble episodes are. We're, you know what? We're doing, we're doing more modern horror. We're doing Malignant and uh, the 2021 Candyman movie. So. Ooh. Yeah. I'm so psyched to talk about the jail scene. Oh, yes. Uh, this is a movie I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And a very good uh, deep dive. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's good. We talk a lot about, like, older horror movies. But, hey, the, the newer stuff can be pretty good, too. So, yeah. We're going we're gonna to be talking about that next time. Uh, well, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.